everybody, and welcome. Welcome to uh, show number 21, Discover Rising Tides, How the Outside Makes the Inside Better, where we explore the importance of the outdoors and maintaining life balance. Through this series, we'll be talking to women business owners to understand their journey. And we'll also, today we're also, as usual, um, be hearing from Lynn Schusler-Williams, author and coach, and her segment on Rising Up. But first, uh, today I'm excited to introduce Priya Kumar. Hi, Priya. Hi. Uh, Priya was born and raised in, in the Fiji Islands. She's a business financial coach helping small business owners build a relationship with their finances. I like the relationship part and strategically plan their growth. She worked as a business investigator for over 12 years and decided not to waste any of her knowledge and help and help those in need. She's also a hospice volunteer, a marathon runner, an author of a gratitude journal and a board member of a nonprofit organization. In her spare time, she's a single mom of a six-year-old boy who constantly keeps her on her toes. Her life mission, her life's mission statement is, I want to leave those I meet better than I found them. She values honesty, integrity, and passion, and whatever you do, do it with love and passion. And as she tells her son every, um, every, every morning, don't forget to have fun. So... In your spare time, do you have any? <laughs> uh, I think I would like to say I do. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, so let's start. So, I want to I want to learn a little bit about your business, or a lot about your business and your journey, and we'll touch on on the outside piece and marathon running, which I totally blows my mind. I can't even. My body says no. <laughs> my brain says no way. So <laughs> it's so impressive. Um, but tell us a little bit about your journey and, and where are you, how you became where you are today. Uh, marathon running was not planned because I always thought that people who ran marathons were just crazy. You just <laughs> had to be crazy to run for hours. I mean, that's why, why did they invent cars, right? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> why do you want to run it? Um, so yeah, so my running, I was always, uh, I, I wouldn't say athletic, but I liked being active. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, and then when I grew old enough where I could earn my own money and afford myself to put into any of those programs, that's when I really started to invest time in learning the right way. So the first thing that I signed up for at that time was karate. I did karate for, um, I want to say five, six years. Mm -hmm. And then of course I got married. And then after I had my son uh, and going through a divorce, that's when I was like, you know, I, I think I want to run again. Like, I don't want to go back to karate. I don't really want to face anyone. I don't want to be in any group activity. So the easiest thing was running. So I started running and then so I was all like, okay, well, I'm just going to uh, give myself a better reason to run more of a purpose. So what I did was I would just run five Ks every month for a charity. I'll pick a run that's taking place that's going to benefit a nonprofit group. And um, because five, uh, 5K is only three miles, I didn't really need much training. Uh, so I just go do that for fun. And then I was like, okay, maybe I can try doing like a half marathon. That's, you know, sounds like reasonable if I train for it. Um, so after doing that a handful of times, I was actually uh, talking to an ultra runner. And he was all like, uh -oh. so you do, all yeah. And, uh -oh. you know, and it was because the reason I got in touch with him was because I saw his post on where he actually ran for a nonprofit in India uh, hmm. and he raised $90,000. 
Wow. So he ran in the Himalayas and he ran, I think, 600 miles or some, some crazy odd number. You know, of course, it was like over a few days and I was just talking to him and he was just telling me how much he was able to help that nonprofit group, which actually started as an orphanage and now actually has the school from kindergarten to high school. Um, and his contribution to it was amazing. I was like, wow. And he's all like, have you thought of running a marathon? And I was like, you're crazy. It's for crazy people. I don't want to run marathons. And then, so he just got quiet. I was like, oh shit, he actually runs ultra. I should have. <laughs> That's a whole different level of yeah. crazy. Right? <laughs> yeah, for him, 26 miles is something you do to go get milk. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going to try. So I did. And my first marathon was so horrible I started uh, experiencing like knee joint pains and at like mile five so I was like I'm just gonna push through maybe just run a little bit slower take my goo drink more water all of those things you know and then by mile 15 I just couldn't do it so I just sat down on the on the sidewalk and I'm just sitting there crying and you know those ugly cries that you oh. did <laughs> So I'm just sitting there crying and then I look up and I see this like blind man going with the with the with his guides and then I saw another woman who literally had like those leg braces that go from like below your knee like from your calf up mm -hmm. to your thigh and she couldn't bend her knee so she was like swinging her leg around oh my. and I and I looked at her and she's had to be like in her 60s and I was all like wow, like all these people going by and I'm sitting here crying because I have a pain. So I just, mm -hmm. I was just like, you know what? You have no excuse to be pity crying yourself right now. Get your ass up and get moving. <laughs> and that's what I did. So I, then I finished in like, I don't know, almost six hours or something, but the experience was so horrible. I was like, I can't live with this. So then I signed up the next day. <laughs> I signed up for the next year's. <laughs> It was so horrible. You had to do it again. Yes. I'm like, I want, I want a better memory to walk away with. <laughs> Most so, people would say, so in, inside you are a marathon, you were a marathon runner. You didn't know it. Cause most people would say that was the most God awful thing I've ever done. And there's absolutely no way, no way I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so inside I was. Yeah. And then, and then, so the second one was then so good. That I was like, I want to keep doing it. <laughs> So just two weeks ago, I did my fifth one and this one in Oakland. So my goal is to run in, um, in every state. Mm. So I've only when, crossed California, so 49 <laughs> points ago. <laughs> so when do you cross over to the ultra world? Uh, never. Never. There's, <laughs> and so for, I didn't really tell people where we're located, but um, Priya is only a half an hour from me. And in our area in Northern California, there are a ton of ultra, ultra trail run things that are out here. So from 50K to 50 miles to 100 miles. And yeah. Yeah, yep, they are. And, and they even do the, the mini Ironman here too, right? I think mm -hmm. it's like the, the big and narrow one or whatever. Yeah, maybe I'll try that someday, but I'll have to learn how to swim without drowning first. <laughs> Yeah, that would be kind of important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a goal. <laughs> yes, yes. So tell me a little bit about your business. You tra you transitioned from the corporate world to being on your own. And what did you do in the corporate world and how was that transition and what made you go 
on your own? Uh, well, what happened was actually when I, so I ran the marathon right after my divorce, and this was still like my healing process that I was going through. And, and during the marathon was when I realized that I actually am capable of doing more than I think. And then, so, you know, and then moving forward when I was like going through all of this, because something about pain, like when you are emotionally in pain, the physical pain kind of numbs that emotional pain. So then I went on the search of like, okay, what do I want my life to really mean? What do I want to be known for? You know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I doubt that I went through all these things that I went through just for the heck of it it's got to mean something you know and so it was in that self self-searching journey when I actually read a quote and it said um I refuse to waste my pain and I'm like wow that's so powerful but then I was in a place like I was so insecure I was like I don't want to share my pain that's shameful you know Mm -hmm. and then so and then I was like but I also don't want to waste my knowledge. I don't want to waste my experience. So Mm -hmm. that's when I was like, okay, if I put my whole life in in a box and I shook it up, what will come out of it? What do I want this Priya to look like? And that's when it was like, I was like, okay, I have done all of this. And my legacy was always, you know, even though I can't do much for the people that I am uh, investigating and whatnot, but I can, I w- I always took the approach of helping them. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this is what happened. You weren't aware of these laws and regulations. This is what has happened. This is what may happen next. But these are your options. You know, there there is always like the light at the end of the tunnel. But then at that time, it was kind of too late to for me to really help them. So then I was like, okay, I I want to get in front of these guys when they are starting their business or they are looking to pivot or they're in that position where they're like, okay, I know I can do more. There's got to be a way, you know, I'm like, I want to get in at that time and help them. And the biggest thing that I noticed was that the biggest problem is money. Most of the businesses fail because of finances and come to find out the small business owners, they're mom and pops, you know, they employ their families, relatives, people in the community, and they have such a big heart. They do so much in their community, you know, Um, they don't have a relationship with money. They they go in with the goodness of their heart, like, oh, I'm going to open this business and I'm going to, you know, cook this meal that my mom or my grandmother cooked for me. But they're not entrepreneurs. They don't think the bigger picture like, OK, I need to constantly be thinking about growth. And mm-hmm. that's when I was like, you need to change the relationship you have with money. Don't be okay with just enough. Don't tell yourself, I need to make just enough to cover the bills, my employees, all of that. Don't tell yourself that it's okay, you don't get paid this month, you'll cover it next month. No, you need the bigger picture and you need to see the value that you bring into this community. So I work with them. There's a lot of mindset work as well because I do take them in their past, in their childhood, uh, in their life experience around money that is subconsciously affecting the decisions that they're making. And it's very true, you know, the traumas that we live with somehow somewhere it's still buried in us we we just don't want to dig it up because it's painful to think about it you know so it's like okay let's work through some of these things that are that has shaped your relationship with money right now so going no I was going to say that's really fascinating because I'm sure that 
for most people, they might not even realize that their experience or just their family dynamics affects how they consider their, their finances and whether they're deserving or, or they should have or not even understanding the greater impact they can have on their community if they change their mindset, right? Yes, yes, correct. They want to help everyone, but you only have 24 hours in a day. But if you have more money, you are able to donate to great causes, right? It makes the possibility of what you're trying to do even greater. And, mm-hmm. and working with them is like, okay, let's, let's change that relationship you have, the conversation you have. And the funny thing is they all, when it comes to success, they have this mindset of like, okay, great. It'll be nice to be successful, but it's really not for me. Those big companies, those successful companies, it's for those kind of people, not for a small guy like me, you know, so when they think like that, then they operate small as well, you know, Mm -hmm. and then so when I and I take them through like a very practical process. So once we go through that mindset stuff, um, I look at their finances, I I really help them connect the dots. Like, are you even reading your financial statement correctly? I don't educate. Are you even reading it? Exactly. Never mind correctly. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah. Because there's this avoidance factor that has to come in too. Well, I don't want to look at it because it doesn't look really good today. You already know it's bad. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or you expect it to be bad, even though it really might not be because it's out of context. Yeah. And when you expect it to be bad, guess what? It is going to be bad. Right. Yeah. And then, so yeah. So just taking them through that. And then I helped and I tell them, I'm not here to help you read your tax return. It's organized the way the government wants it organized. You don't have to understand the tax returns. It's filed a certain way. What you need to really understand is the money coming in, where it's coming in from, and where it's going. Mm -hmm. And anything that you're investing in, either that's a uh, money drain or it's an investment. Mm -hmm. Paying your utilities, leases, employees, all of those things are investments. It's mm-hmm. keeping your business going, right? If you are paying for subscriptions that you're not using, if you are advertising um, wherever you're advertising and you're not measuring if it's bringing in revenue, that's a money drain. You need to plug those money drains. And when I categorize that, they're able, they get the bird's eye view of exactly where their money is moving. And I sit down with them and I ask them, okay, do you know where this is going and how it's helping your business? And if they're clueless and I'm like, okay, you need to do some research because if you're paying this much money, you really need to know how it's helping your business, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, so there's the business side of it. And then I ask them questions on their personal uh, side of their life too, because it's like, okay, have you been become your business are you taking care of your business or is your business taking care of you mm-hmm. you know and then that's when they really start thinking like oh maybe it's not taking care of me you know what are some of the indicators that help them recognize the two i would think that the line in the sand would be very very hard for some people to determine right between the two areas are you taking care of it or is it taking care of you and how do you help them determine that One of the biggest factors is, are they paying themselves? Mm. So if they're not paying themselves a salary, it's not taking care of them. Mm. One thing a lot of business owners don't realize is that when you are self-employed, you are responsible for your own retirement account. You're responsible for your own 401k. You're responsible for your own Medicare cost and insurance and all of that. So 
with that taken in account, I will ask them like, okay, how are you paying yourself? What's the percentage? Because I break it down in percentage. Your revenue is 100%. Your profit is whatever percentage. Your expenses is this percentage. What you pay is this percent. I make sure that they diversify their accounts for taxes. You know, Depending on which bracket mm-hmm. you fall in, that's 15 to 35%. Are they even prepared for that? You know, so giving them just some of those basic clarities and you don't have to do much. Once they see it, then they're like, okay, I can calculate this myself, you Mm -hmm. know? And then, uh, so just giving, bringing that in in clarity, like, okay, if you're not paying yourself enough, then who is really taking care of you? Oh, my wife has a really good job or whatnot, you know? But it's like, okay, well, if you had a full-time job, would you work overtime all holidays Um, no vacation, no sick hours, no retirement, no benefits. Will you pay yourself what you pay yourself right now? And the answer is always no. (laughs) So then it's like, okay, what can we change? Where is your business right now? If the expenses is really high, I help them bring the expenses down because then that increases their profit. And then it's like, okay, what are the other streams of income that you can add within your business? Mm -hmm. that will increase your revenue and then you can pay yourself more because if the money is not there of course you can't pay yourself you know but giving them that clarity like where should they really be and then a lot of them when they become their own business there is no clarity on okay these are my business financial needs and these are my personal financial needs and if your business is taking care of you then your your personal financial needs are going to be met Mm-hmm. And what you're doing too is really stripping the emotional aspect out of this, right? And so you're, it's very clinical versus emotional. Let's look at these numbers and look at what you, you know, what's really important to you and put things into perspective because that emotional drain of feeling like you're the dread of not being able to take care of your family or not mm-hmm. providing like you in your head, you had thought you were going to be just can really drag on the ability to perform at your best. Yes. Yes. It affects your business. Like whatever is happening in your personal life is going to affect your business. So that's why I'm like, you got to be very clear mm-hmm. on what you want this to do. And another thing is none of them have like, uh, I shouldn't say none. Most of them don't have any self-care practices. I'm like, okay, what do you do for fun? Oh, I'm just here. You shouldn't be just here. You know, you need to take time off for yourself. You got to refill your own cup first. You can't pour from an empty cup. We all know that, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, and when you own a business or even just in an everyday life, everyone, all of us are pouring all day. And it's what is that person doing to fill up their cup? And I tell people, don't let it be like once a month thing, you're going to fill up your cup. No, you need to make time to do it every single day. And so what, what do people find that they need um, to fill their cup? Um, Or is that different for everybody? It's different for everyone. But what I have noticed is most of them have forgotten what they used to love doing. Ah. So that's the questions that I ask them. Like, what was something that they used to love doing? Like, what was their passion growing up? What was their favorite thing that they did? You know, and then all of a sudden they start thinking and I'm like, oh, when was the last time you did that? And they'll be like, you know what? It's been a while. And I'm like, well, when are you going to do it again? (laughs) You know, it's easy to forget when you're going through and you're, you're in the, you know, you're up to your 
ankles or your armpits in trudging through the dailies of business, it's easy to forget those things that really make you happy. It's very true. Yeah, they forget, they forget about it. So I remind them and I make sure that I'm providing them the holistic approach because I don't want to be only focused on finances and not all the areas around it that's actually affecting it. So I make sure that I'm that's... giving that, that clarity. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and we have a question from Chris in Chicago and Chris wants to know what advice would you give somebody that wants to buy a franchise? Have you talked to anybody about that before in the past? Yes, definitely do your research. If, if she is going through a broker, I know there are like franchise brokers, uh, make sure mm -hmm. that you are asking them questions. You can even do your own research. What are some of the questions you, that you should be asking? You definitely want to know if they provide training for you as a business owner um, and for your employees, how much is it going to cost you? Uh, what does the retention look like for that type of business in that industry? How competitive that is and wherever you're opening that business, who's your nearest competitor? You know, because mm. uh, you always want to at the end of the day, you're on the hook for it. And as a franchise, uh, you will be paying like a certain amount of fee to the as a franchisee, you have all these costs and fees that, that are associated with it. So definitely make sure that you plan ahead for yourself. And I tell people at least like financial wise, you should at least plan the first three years of your business. What does that look like? How much is it going to cost you? Because sometimes it takes a long time to get that momentum, right? Like you start your business and for it to get known and for you to grow, it takes that time. And you don't want to spin your wheel so hard and then there's no oil, right? You're just dry and then now you're going to have to shut down and then you start feeling regret. Uh, so definitely do your research, ask a lot of questions, interview those who are in that type of business, you know, just contact them, be like, hey, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, starting something similar. I, how do you like this franchise? How's their customer service? How helpful are they when it comes to their franchisees? Uh, you know, what are some of the positives and negatives, you know? Um, just do your research where you feel comfortable going in, like, okay, if something happens, like what's your plan B, right? Like this pandemic that just happened, we had no idea that was going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So what is your plan B? What's going to happen next? Or do, does this franchise provide any kind of support if your business were to shut down, if there was another pandemic? And I hope there isn't, you know, but we just never know. I mean, gosh, we went from a pandemic to a war, <laughs> you know, it's, it's sad. And uh, yeah, so definitely do a lot of research and make sure that you're financially prepared. You mentioned one thing, which I would assume that it would it touches on the franchise side, but I assume it would actually be on, on for anybody and that's business retention. Yes. That's really, I don't know that, um, that's probably one of the areas that's, can I say that it's least talked about? Correct. It is least talked about because mm -hmm. a lot of the times people will have a great idea or an idea that sounds amazing and they will just jump right in. They're mm -hmm. not looking at the future, like, okay, what is my plan B or C? And that's why it's so important for business owners to have a business plan in place. Mm -hmm. It's like a success manual. Like your car has a manual that you never look at until that something goes wrong. 
and you're like, oh, I know where I can find the answer for this. That's what your business manual is. I mean, your business uh, business plan is. It's like a success manual for your business. And it allows you to think outside of the box. So wherever you're thinking right now, if you are not a serial entrepreneur, uh, there are questions that you need answers to before you dive into it. So when you talk about a plan B, is a plan B, if this business doesn't go well, I'm going to pivot into something else? Or is the plan B that if this doesn't, this business doesn't, or what I'm doing right now doesn't work well, I'm going to try another avenue, but in the same business? What does, what does that look like? Both, both of it, actually, because you can try another avenue in the same business, or you mm -hmm. can also be like, and those are the things like when you are uh, a franchisee, you're signing these contracts. So how long are you on the hook for? Right. Mm. What are your how easy is it to exit it? Like sometimes life crises happen, you know, like mm -hmm. your your partner, uh, someone gets sick, someone dies or whatnot. What is your exit plan? What's going to happen? How easily can you get out of it if there is a tragedy or something of, the, of the, that sort takes place? And also give yourself a time frame like, OK, I'm going to do this. I believe in myself that I can be successful in this, but I'm going to give myself a time frame. Three years will be like my um, orange light. Okay, I got to be successful by three years and I'm going to give it all my 100%. But my next, uh, my dead stop is going to be five years. If mm. I am not successful within five years, I'm not going to waste any more time with this. What happens is like, and this happens ac across education too, where you, you invest so much time and money in something and it doesn't work out, you keep thinking that, no, there's a way I can figure it out. There's something else I can do. I'm going to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And 30 years goes by and it's still that rotation. You're stuck on that wheel, right? And you mm -hmm. are still not doing any better than that for first five years. Same thing with people with degrees. You know, they choose careers based on their degrees. And a lot of them, even when they hate it, they're not going to change it because you got to justify having that college debt that you're still paying and the time and money you spent in getting that degree. And I, I tell people, it's almost like a toxic relationship. Mm. Don't waste too much time on it. Get out. That's interesting. Yeah, that, that makes sense too. And the challenge for many is to know when that time is. Yeah. Or, oh, it'll be, a, I'll just try some more, like you said. I'll just try some more. And then, and then 10 years goes by yeah. and they're still trying some more. Yeah. And I want to say, if you're going to try it, there's nothing wrong trying it, but get a person to try it. Like get an expert in there, get a business coach, get a consultant who can actually give you the right guidance, give you that clear picture, give you that bird's eye view of exactly what's wrong. You know, because if you don't have proper diagnosis, you can't get the problem fixed. Just mm. like your car, you know, if it needs new brake pads, you know, changing the tire is not going to fix the problem. <laughs> so make sure you, you do the right diagnosis in your business so you can find the, the root cause of the problem and work to fix that, not just putting the Band-Aid on it. Mm. So when is it the best time for you to engage with a business? Uh, my sweet spot is first, like first, uh, first year and five years. So between the first five years. Oh, okay. And why? 
because that's when they're starting out. And I also want to make sure that they're actually setting the structure correctly. A lot of them are like, okay, I have this great idea. I'm going to start this business. This is what I'm going to do. This is what my restaurant is going to have. This, these are the menus that we're going to have. And then I'm like, okay, well, how do you know how much all of this is going to cost you? Do you know how you're going to get uh, customers in? Why your business, your food versus the restaurant down the road, right? And then um, everything that you are going to offer, you want to, there are all these structures that you need to have in place, the liability employees, how, how are you going to train your employees? What are you going to offer? Because the turnover can cost a business a lot of money too because you got to retrain new employees and then you got to, if they leave, then it, the cycle continues. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what, what area is going to suck out their energy? And I want to make sure that their focus is on the growth of their business, right? So mm -hmm. I sit with them and I go through all these questions. What's the big reason they're starting this business? What's their big why? Is it because it's something that they're really good at? Or is it something that they want to do because they see the big picture of the community need for it? Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so how long, how often do you meet with clients and how long are you usually with them through this journey? When I start, if it's a new business, then I will be most likely with them um, for a year. Mm -hmm. But if it's someone who's been in business, um, I will be there mostly like six months or to a year, depending on how much they need my time and my expertise. Usually I do my contracts on like six month basis because I meet with my clients every other week. And I tell them, uh, if it's not urgent to you, it's not urgent to me. And the weeks go by really fast, right? And I'm like, and they realize the moment we start meeting, they realize like, oh yeah, I was supposed to do this. And now mm -hmm. we're meeting again and I didn't get time to do it. So then I'm like, okay, what stood in your way? What were some of the challenges and obstacles that came up? You know, it, I'm, it's not that you didn't get to that goal, but there's something else that's taking place on, uh, you know, on the, uh, on the backside that you're not really paying attention to. And it's actually sucking your energy. You know, do you really you, want to? Exactly. I mean, do you really want that to suck your energy or what is it that we can fix so you can move smoothly to your next goals? So it's a lot of like take cleaning out those challenges and obstacles that may, they may think like, oh, if I just do this or this is what I need to do, but it could really be a challenge that's repeating itself. Mm. You know, and so, so it's, oh, go ahead. And then, and then, you know, so once we start moving, then it's, it takes some time to go through the process of, you know, like, okay, this is where you are. This is where you want to go. This is what you have tried already. Cause I do not want to waste any time repeating what you have tried and it didn't work. Now, if the process was different and, uh, and that's why it didn't work, then we can give it a shot. But mm -hmm. yeah, I don't like wasting anyone's time and money. I'm like, okay, this has got to be urgent for you to make money because half year it's, half year is long enough for you mm -hmm. to really see what the issues are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and then if you need to renew or continue yeah. with what you, the momentum that you've created now, do you ever, if, um, do you ever meet with the business owners and their significant other as a oh, yeah. group? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would think that that would be really important to have both people on board. Correct. Yeah. Cause they're, they're, their partner is even whether they're involved in the business or not, their partner is still supporting them. Mm -hmm. 
they're still a very strong part of their personal life, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, how is that, you know, the, both people, and sometimes the partners have some great ideas or they see the things that the, that the business owner is not seeing because you're looking from outside in, right? Mm. So you're like, oh, I see this here. But when you are like right here looking at it, you, do, you it's, sometimes it's hard to see really what's, what's, what's the problem, you know? And I tell people like, I usually use the football analogy and I'm like, imagine you're watching Super Bowl and the camera is only following one player. <laughs> So don't be that camera in your business. You need to see the whole field. <laughs> that's a great analogy. Yeah, that makes sense. That it really does because you could be missing a point that's really important, but it's maybe it's this small, but the results are this big. Yes, yes. Now, are there specific types of businesses that you like to work with or you seem to gravitate towards? Um, I definitely love solopreneurs. You know, these are the people who are starting out on their own. Uh, even if they have employees, they're still solopreneurs. You know, mm -hmm. they're almost doing everything by themselves and they're so into their, like they're totally immersed in their business. And those are the people I'm like, okay, no, just take a step back. Let's, let's take a look. You know, you need to enjoy your business. <laughs> you need to enjoy being an entrepreneur. So, you know, pulling them out a little bit and I'm like, okay, let's make this happen. So solopreneurs are actually my favorite because they bring so much like heart and soul in their business. Mm -hmm. And before they know it, they have become their business. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's, let's pull back a little bit. But yeah, I can work with any business pretty much because when it comes to the financial structure, the finance, the money movement within their business, it's very similar. Mm. Have you, can you think of a, a success story or something that you see a transformation that you've seen for a business? Yes. Um, and this was last year. I didn't year. prep you for that question either. So really sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. Because I just thought about it. <laughs> I had a couple solopreneurs last year and they started, they had been in business for, for a, a few years, I would say three, three or four. One was, I think, four years, and then one was uh, three years. And uh, both of them, when I did their profit analysis, so like breaking it down for them, uh, where uh, their revenue was, how much they were paying themselves, their profit, on all that stuff, those numbers were very shocking for them. And I was like, okay, how much would you like to pay yourself by the end of the year? And that was my goal. So both of them, uh, one was able to increase her revenue, where she actually doubled it. Wow. So hers was like 100%. And the other person was 40%. They increased their revenue. And it was all just giving them that clarity of like, okay, the, this is what it looks like. Now, how do you want to move forward? And then just strategically planning it. The issue is that a, a lot of the times when people see a problem or a series of problem, uh, mm -hmm. problems, it's overwhelming. So then it's like, ah, I don't know what to do. So I'm mm -hmm. just gonna push it aside and just focus on just working harder. But the mm -hmm. problem is still there that is sucking all these like extra that's coming in, right? And then you can't ignore it. So now you're still stressed because you know it's there. And yeah, and then the guilt comes in because you're not dealing with it. Exactly, so what I do- Not that is, I would know that or anything. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I always tell them, like, you got to break it down in bite-sized digestible pieces. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you ever eat your food? Like, do you take the whole plate and shove it in your mouth? No, you can't. <laughs> you know? But do you ever look at it and feel like, oh, gosh, there's so many things on my plate. How am I ever going to eat this? <laughs> you just start taking a bite. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh, I think I'm ready for a second plate. <laughs> and I'm like, that's how you should look at your every, anything that you're doing in life. Just start one step at a time. Just pick something and work on it. Break it down. It makes it so much easier. And then when you see that growth, that success, like, oh, I tackled this. Great. What's the next thing? And your brain starts to think that way. As soon as things come up, you start noticing it like, oh, this is off. That's not how it's supposed to be. So I'm actually going to fix it right away before it becomes this giant problem. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so what was your transition like when you went from the corporate world to um, an entrepreneur? Um, or what did you scary. learn from that? <laughs> Is it, yeah. What did you learn from that that helped you in what you're doing when you're dealing with, with people in the same situation with new businesses? One thing that I learned was that I, at first, I thought that I needed to have all these papers, meaning certifications. Mm-hmm. And then, so I hired a coach for myself because <laughs> I was like, okay, and there's a lot of things that I don't know that I need to know, right? And then, um, and then they were like, so I brought up all these things with them and I'm like, okay, so what do you think? You know, should I go back to school, get a degree or get some sort of certification for coaching or consulting or what is out there? And they only asked one question, what makes you think you are not credible enough? And I was all like, um, I can't, I'm not uh, an entrepreneur yet. <laughs> I'm like, maybe that's it. And then he was all like, what you are start going to do for all the small business owners, if you just look at that, what's your experience? And I'm like, well, I did 12 years of this and this is how much I know about it. And money is something that I've always been good with in my personal life, you know, paying, Mm -hmm. like paying myself through college, buying my house at 22, you know, and just uh, starting an investment account when I was 18, like a lot of things that most people don't really think about until they're later in their life. Mm -hmm. I had it all like figured out, you know, and he was like, so you think a piece of certification will make people believe you that your experience is true? (laughs) And I was like, no, but you know, sometimes I wonder like, what is there? Because people put so much emphasis on degrees and you know, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And he's like, what you get from experience is more valuable than any piece of paper. What someone can tell you on, on a, on a book and you read it and you do your homework and you get certification is way different when it's actually applied in real life. Mm-hmm. And I was all like, yeah, it's very true. So that's something that I work with uh, solopreneurs on too. It's like, okay, what are you bringing with you fully? Mm-hmm. Not just your experience. What about your personal life? Because there are a lot of stuff that you had to go through in your personal life as well that makes you the person you are today. Don't leave it behind. Think about it. What made you stronger? Even all the negative, bad experiences. What did you learn from it? What did you love about it? What did you hate about it? You know, like our careers, we have, you know, we go through like starting a job at 16 and until we retire until we're 65 or whatever. It's like, okay, there were many transitions. What did you learn? What did you love the most? What did you hate the most? And that's when they really start thinking too, like, okay, well, I actually hated this. Uh, Uh, this job or this profession for this reason 
So I know better not to treat people like that or not to make that mistake. So I'm like, see, that's not a weakness. Now that's a strength that you take forward with you in your business. So that's why I tell them, so when it comes to your experience, don't separate your professional and your personal. Bring it together because both of it makes you who you are. And it creates a different level of confidence in yourself. Like, okay, there is a problem, but guess what? I have gone through many stuff in my life, no different. I'll figure it out. Sometimes you just need the right people. That's amazing that you are bringing that to the surface because in the corporate world, we've both been in the corporate world before, your personal and your business are two separate entities and they barely ever cross in the corporate world. And so, and and that's a habit-driven thing. So if you've been in, in a regular job for any length of time, you've learned to separate your personal and your professional yeah. thoughts or heads or, or beings, right? Yeah. And so to be able to and show people how both sides are extremely valuable in the business relationship that they have now, that's hugely important. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's Especially fantastic. for a small business, because mm-hmm. for, for a small businesses, they're not just known by the company they, they have or the restaurant name or the coffee shop. They're known by the person, because when, when your customer comes in, most of the time you're there, you know them by name, you even know their kids, you know their birthdays, you know, all those things. So you are already bringing a personal experience. It's a personal connection. You know, Mm -hmm. they're doing, they're not doing just business with your coffee shop. They're doing business with you. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And I tell them, like, don't, don't leave half of yourself behind and try to be successful with half of you. (laughs) That's fantastic. And so for you and personally, right? So for you, there's the extreme piece. Well, I think it's extreme, the marathon piece, but what on your, on a daily basis, if you couldn't go outside, what would that look like? Or why, why is it important for you? It is extremely important because when I was not doing that, when I wasn't filling up my cup, when I wasn't practicing self-care, it didn't matter what I did. I could not find that internal joy. And that's something that I was searching for. And, you know, I would be doing all these things for other people. And I was always really good at whatever I was doing and helping people, all of that stuff. But when I went to bed at night, I didn't have that peace. I couldn't find that peace. And I'm like, where, where is this? Like, what can I do? Do I work harder? Do I help more people? Like, how do I find that? And it wasn't until I started valuing myself. And that's when it came. So running the marathon, part of it was um, breaking my limitation beliefs down and rebuilding myself. That pain, all of, uh, and that breaking down moment, those tears, all it told me was that you are stronger than you think. Keep moving forward, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and the training part of it is discipline right? Mm-hmm. I got to wake up to do it. I'm not doing it for a paycheck. I'm not doing it for anyone. I'm doing it for myself. So if I can't get up for myself, How can you get and up for I'm anybody all, else? exactly. And even when I am, is it going to give me peace? No, not really. So it was, it wasn't until I started pouring that self-love, self-care, that discipline into myself where I felt worth it. it it's a, it's a promise. It's a commitment that I'm making to myself. 
And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to do this for myself before I go to others. Because I've also noticed doing that allowed me to show up with more of an open heart mm. and actually enjoy it instead of thinking, yeah, I'm doing all this for this person, helping them out. Will they value it? There's no doubt. I'm like, you know what? I know you're going to value it. That's why we connected. And I, this is my me living my purpose of finding you and leaving you better than I found you. You, you may not value it today, but someday you're going to remember me and you're going to be like, there was this crazy marathon runner. who told me, <laughs> And that's the intention that I go out with. So when I, when I can't go out, when I can't run or any of that, I still wake up at 4.30 every morning. Well, not every morning. I don't wake up early on Mondays. <laughs> um, and I that's funny. The- I don't wake up early on Mondays either. <laughs> I, I slowly transition into work and yeah. the day goes just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Nope, that's my day to sleep in. So yeah, I wake up at four 30. I will, I meditate and then I go to the gym, I work out and then I come back and I'm like, ah, I'm ready for the world now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said and something it, in the beginning that, that I don't know that I've heard anybody say, I've talked to so many people in all kinds of different careers and businesses that I've been involved in. And and you, I'm going to get these words wrong because I scribbled a note on my paper when you were talking, but you had said that you put your life in a box and you shook it. Yeah. That's really insightful. <laughs> that's that's really you. insightful. Yeah. And how are you going to make a difference? And, yeah. you know, I think that if we all step, stepped back a moment or maybe shook ourselves in a box <laughs> or just stepped back and thought, you know, how can I make a difference today? We'd all be in a better place. Yeah, yeah. And and that's where it came back to. Actually, um, I want to rewind a little bit. That actually came when I started to volunteer for hospice. So I lost my only sibling when I was um, 20 years old and he was younger than me and he was my world, like my support system, my everything, you know, um, and, uh, and I was just so upset. I was like, God, I only had one shoulder to cry on and you took that away too. What am I supposed to do now? You know? And, and so, and then I was like, okay, well, I want to learn more about life because the way I'm living, I feel like it's not fulfilling. Like I'm not getting that peace. I'm not feeling that inner joy. I want to really find the meaning of life. And I don't want to find it from a book because that's someone else's opinion of life, right? Um, so I was like, I'm gonna actually um, go to the source, the people who have lived it. Mm. So then I went through training for hospice and, and I started uh, doing volunteer work. And it's funny, I would walk in the room and they would literally think that someone sent their kid to go with them. Because <laughs> most of the people in the industry are retired, you know? And I'm like, nope, I'm the person. <laughs> and then and I will sit with them and I will talk to them I will ask them a lot of questions you know and mostly about their life you know how they came how they picked their career their families if they could go back and change something what would that be and that really gave me um, a a fuller understanding of life Mm. and that's when I was like you know what if I want my life to be meaningful I need to first fast forward So if Mm -hmm. I was going to live until I was 85, and if I were one of these people, you know, laying in the bed and, you know, God's like, now is not your time, but you can't move. My mind's working and I'm only watching the real of my real life. 
over mm -hmm. and over, what do I want it to look like? Do mm -hmm. I want it to look fun, exciting, joyful, or do I, or am I going to have regrets when I look back? Because now you've run out of time, right? You can't mm -hmm. do anything about it. And that's what really changed my perspective on life. And I'm like, I do not want to waste a moment. And then I had to come back to my present time and be like, okay, what am I going to do different? And it was such a pivotal moment and such a powerful moment because what we tend to do is that where we are, the wisdom we have now, we tend to take this wisdom and go back in our past and mm -hmm. we try to make our past better. Mm. A lot of, I've done that, you yeah. know? And it's I never like, thought of that. You're right. Yeah. And it's like, no, the, it, that is done. What happened, what the result was, that's exactly how it was supposed to happen. You mm -hmm. taking the wisdom from now back there is not going to change anything. Mm -hmm. You didn't have that at that time. So why do I keep going back and keep punishing myself because I can't change it? Wow. You know, so then it was like, okay, I got to move forward and mm -hmm. I got to forgive myself for not knowing better. And I got to accept my mistakes and I got to not carry that shame not carry that blame and really merge myself with my younger person and there's a little exercise that I do with with some of my clients especially women clients who come in and they will have those moments where they're just like can I just share something with you you know mm -hmm. and they will share with me and then I will sit with them and I'll be like okay just close your eyes and go back in that painful moment, that trigger that's still affecting you today, go back in that moment, find yourself, how old were you, what were you wearing, what the environment was like, the room, the path, the wherever you were, what was that like? And you picture everything that was that trauma that was taking place. Someone said something to you, someone took something from you, what was it? And then I was like, I want you to picture you now going in that room and you open the door and you throw out that person or whoever that whatever the situation was throw them out through the window throw them out through the roof wherever you're going to throw them out from you throw everything out of that room until nothing is left other than just empty walls and then I was like you find yourself and you hold her so tight and you tell her, I am so proud of the woman that you are about to become. And hug her and complete that piece of your heart. And guess what? Redecorate that room with your wisdom that you have now. Now you have changed your past. That trauma is gone. It's healed. Now when you look back, you're actually proud of that journey that was at one point breaking you over and over again. That's amazing. Thank you. I think that we need to, that's, that's, I can't think of anything else we should add to that last statement. So thank you. So before we wrap up, where can people find you? And is it just in person or virtual that you work with businesses? And how can people get in touch with you? It's uh, I, in person. If you are in Sacramento, I love meeting people. 
So, you know, uh, if you're here, I will meet you for coffee. We, we can meet for lunch. <laughs> but if, uh, if you are anywhere in the United States or across the world, I do coaching virtually as well. <laughs> and I am on social media. So my business is Pivot My Profit. So on Facebook, if you search Pivot My Profit, you will see my business page there. On Instagram, it is Pivot My Profit as well. And on LinkedIn, it's just my first and last name, Priya Kumar. Wow. Thank you. Priya, I want to thank you so much for sharing the afternoon with me today. And it's been, it's been so much fun talking with you. And so thank you very, very much. Thank you for having me. And yes, it's definitely been fun. And we are definitely going to go on um, a hiking trip. I'm looking forward to it. Somebody, yes. yes, that's good. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, so, awesome. This was great. Thank you so much for having me here. And if any of the listeners think of any questions, you know, and if they have contact uh, uh, for you, they can mm -hmm. contact you directly and you can send it to me or they can contact me. I respond to my messages. So if anytime someone says, oh, I saw you here or I heard this, I have this question, I will respond back to you. So Perfect. we'll make sure we put your out. contact information in the show notes too. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much. And so Lynn, now we're transition to Lynn and Lynn Schusler-Williams and her rising up segment. So that's a tough act to follow, Lynn. <laughs> what a phenomenal <laughs> segment this has been. I'm so excited uh, to have gotten to hear Priya speak and uh, about her business and her passions and just loved uh, being a part of this. And, you know, Jean, because of you, I think a lot about how the outside makes the inside better. And I have been thinking about one of the things that experiences with nature throughout my life has really taught me about, and that's the power of being curious. Mm. So, you know, my coaching clients know that I say all the time, the quality of our lives and the quality of our businesses too are directly related to the quality of the questions we learn to ask ourselves and what we do with the answers that we get. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, what could we learn, right? What are the questions we could ask ourselves about how the outside makes the inside better? How can we bring a little curiosity to this process? So it can be as simple as you know, what about asking yourself a question before you go on a hike mm -hmm. and and just having that time and space to just be curious. What am I going to find on this hike? It could be as simple as that. What am I going to see that's amazing today? Right. What am I going to learn um, through this process or before you hop in the canoe to paddle around the lake? One of my favorite things to do outside. Right. What? What could you ask yourself that's a great question, something you've been trying to process maybe? Just ask yourself that question and set the intention um, that the answer's gonna come while I'm outside, while I'm in nature. And you know, some of our best thinking comes from being curious and then being open to the answers. You know, there's an old story that Thomas Edison used to call it going to the land of the solutions. And he would sit in his rocking chair when he was trying to figure something out. And instead of working harder, focusing more, 
putting more, he would sit in his rocking chair and he would put a rock in his hand and he would put a tin bucket under his hand so that if he fell asleep, he'd drop the rock and it would the noise would wake him up. But the point was he was going to the land of the solutions, the place where the answers already live. And nature helps us get there more quickly, right, than if we stay in our little boxes inside so much. And, you know, there's the idea of mindfulness. People talk about mindfulness all the time. And for me, one of the best things about mindfulness is that it's this openness to the answers, the openness to being present to whatever's in front of you. And uh, we talk about, you know, walking meditations or that sort of thing. Well, let's bring some curiosity to that. How can we set an intention and then just be open to allowing uh, that to come? So this idea of cultivating curiosity as a practice can really be transformative. And I would say even, you know, exponentially rewarding when we add to it the wild curiosity of nature. Like, what will I find on my hike today, right? Could be, it could be that simple. It doesn't have to be profound. So this week, I invite our listeners to cultivate a little curiosity in your time with nature. Cultivate curiosity in your day and in your practice. And let's see how we can help the outside make the inside better. Thanks oh, that's, for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. We have a little video issue here, but I'm going to squish over to the side. There we go. <laughs> thank you. And yes, how do we become more curious? And so I want to thank everybody for being with us this afternoon, or if you're catching this not live, um, I hope you enjoy it and we'll see you on the 20th. Have a great day.